Welcome to Rochambeau, the podcast about unique competitions and the extraordinary competitors that make them happen. I'm Ted. And I'm Kim, and thank you for joining us. Today's episode, it's our Christmas in July spectacular. Woohoo! I present to you the National Gingerbread House Competition. Ho, 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 did someone say gingerbread? Gosh, um, I don't think I've used anything that's weird. Cat gut. And molasses. Butter, honey, and uh, white sugar. It's a nut or a seed or a cinnamon stick. Bucatini, which is a very strong pasta. Rice Krispie treat. Like a shredded phyllo dough. Necklace with those little candies on it. Go-gut. Uh, it's just gingerbread cookie, I, you know, like any other gingerbread. Wow, that all sounds delicious. Let me give you a little background on the event. It all began as a small group of gingerbread houses built by community members back in 1992. There is no way to know that more than two decades later, the Omni Grove Park Inn National Gingerbread House Competition would be one of the most celebrated and competitive holiday events. The houses stay on display for seven weeks, and in that time, over 60,000 people come through to check out the artistry. We talked to the organizer, Tracy Johnston Crum, and learned how she got involved. My name is Tracy Johnston Crum, and I'm the Director of Public Relations and Community Outreach here at the Omni Grove Park Inn. The beauty of that is that I get to be in charge of all of our special events with our special events team, and we cannot help but love the National Gingerbread House Competition. It is unlike anything else you've ever seen, and I have an astounding group of people that help me pull that off every single year. The first National Gingerbread House competition that I was part of was in November of 2001. I had just moved to Asheville from uh, New York City. Uh, Asheville is my hometown, so I guess I should say back to Asheville, and had taken on the role as the manager of special events. And so this event was kind of handed to me. At the time, people showed up with zero paperwork completed. They just showed up with these huge 30, 40, 50-pound edible masterpieces and had to like bounce them on one hand and like sign, you know, liabilities, sign a photo release, register, get a number. It was chaos. I won't lie. It was absolutely chaos. When I spoke to the then director of public relations, he said, well, it just adds to the nostalgia of the event. I said, no, no, it does not. (laughs) We could do better. Yeah, no, 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 thank you. Uh, I'm a very detail-oriented person, so over the years, we did evolve the competition. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it would add to the nostalgia of the event at all. That just sounds like it would lead to broken wrists and a lot of dropped gingerbread cakes. Nobody wants that. No, nobody wants that. Good job, Tracy. Yep. Good thing Tracy stepped in and made it a little bit more (laughs) elf-sufficient. But actually, these aren't all houses. These gingerbread masterpieces can really be anything as long as they fit the requirements, which are relatively strict. They pre-register. They send us photos along the way of how they're constructing their houses. Because remember, they do have to be 100% edible, and they do need to be 75% gingerbread. So we do inevitably uh, drill into one or two of them when we can't substantiate the 75% gingerbread just to check, or if we feel that perhaps there's a foreign object helping hold up a, a, you know, oh. a situation. So we, we do end up doing that at least once a year. What other rules do they have to live up to? It has to fit in a two by two by two space. Um, we have a 10 and a half foot by 10 and a half foot gingerbread house in our great hall during the holidays. Cool. It's made out of 1,500 pounds oh. of uh, edible ingredients. 
we don't want that into the competition. That would be very <laughs> difficult to judge. So we do give them a size limitation. And then it is judged on consistency of theme, detail, the cleanliness, and the kind of story that it's telling. You know, our judges are a pretty renowned group of individuals, and they really are very careful to judge each and every entry because we want to make sure that people, all of their time and their artistry and their effort gets acknowledged and recognized by this esteemed panel of judges. So tell me about who your judges are. Uh, we have an, um, just a crazy, wonderful, ridiculously talented group of judges. I'll start with our head judge, who is Nicholas Lodge. He is a sugar artist. He has an international sugar art school in right outside of Atlanta, Georgia. He uh, actually built one of Princess Diana's wedding cakes. What? And then she rem- <laughs> I'm telling you, this guy, he is, he is the real deal. And he has been such an amazing source of information and knowledge about the ingredients that they can use. One time we had a, a young boy make a swimming pool and like using a necklace with those little candies on it to represent the little floaties in the lane for the swimming lane. And it looked like they have a, like a wire and they're holding those together. And Jeff's like, that's not wire, that's cat gut. And cat gut technically oh. edible. <laughs> Oh, no. but it's true. And so he really is just a fount of information. We have other wonderful oh my um, gosh. Uh, you know, sugar uh, and pastry folks. We've got Stephen Stellingworth, Mark Seaman. Uh, we actually have a New York Times bestselling author, uh, James Beard Award winner, amazing nutritionist. She's actually the nutritionist. The Biggest Loser, Cheryl Forberg. But then again, when you look at the artistic side as well, we have a curator of drawings from the Metropolitan Museum of Art, Nadine Orenstein, that is also a judge. So while, yes, we are looking at these entries from a uh, pastry or sugar art side, we are also looking at the artistry overall. We have representatives from that community as well. Wow, that is some serious firepower. Right. Quite a change from the last episode where the rules were made up on the spot, huh? <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know if you guys caught that, but Chef Lodge noticed that one piece had cat gut in it. Kim and I, being the cat lovers we are, put on our investigative journalist hats to figure out what's going on here. So according to our old friend Wikipedia, cat gut is a type of cord that is prepared from natural fiber found in the walls of animal intestines. Gross. Yeah. Um, cat gut makers usually use sheep or goat intestines, but occasionally use the intestines of cattle, hogs, horses, mules, and yes donkeys um despite their name there's no cats oh cat thank guts. goodness right so don't be concerned that these gingerbread house ladies are using cats to make houses maybe they're using sheeps goats cattles or hogs or mules and maybe reindeer <laughs> but no cats okay well good now that that's out of the way let's get on to the fun stuff the right. prizes and right. folks there are some quite substantial prizes which i think you know i like right get ready to hear impressed kim first off it does not cost anything to enter other than your ingredients and you getting it here. Getting it here is the hardest thing (laughs) because you have to drive it here. We've had people try to fly, but the um, air pressure, the compression just destroys the house. We've had people drive from Colorado. Uh, We have a couple of entries this year from Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, and all of those folks will drive in to join us. But they do it for prizes that are valued at over $25,000. Whoa, that's impressive. Yeah. So we, we have four categories, adult, teen, youth and child and each one of those has their own breakdown of awards however the coveted award of course is the grand prize the grand prize is five thousand dollars a all-expense weekend on our exclusive club floor 
access to our $50 million spa and, of course, all the dining you can imagine. More. Then you have another weekend. <laughs> but wait, there's at- more. <laughs> there is more. Yeah. Wait, I'm, I'm on the prices right. Wait a minute. I can do it. Um, but wait, there's more. Uh, and then it's also a weekend at Chef Nicholas Lodge's International Sugar Art School in Atlanta. So you'll also be increasing your skill set. Every one of the top 10 winners is given a ribbon. And by that, I mean a nice big showy ribbon. <laughs> and each of the top three in each category get a nice big er, showy ribbon. And that grand prize ribbon is indeed perhaps the largest, um, perhaps a touch ostentatious. <laughs> but I tell you, these people, these artists, these contestants, they want those bragging rights. And that big ribbon is what they are after. Are they actually edible in the end would anybody eat a gingerbread house my answer is going to be no (laughs) okay um they are technically edible do you want to eat them absolutely not they have cat guts realize that when people are constructing them they're touching every you know little corner of it so even from then i'm kind of like yeah good point um, even even without the cat guts probably not really the best thing to eat well, that was really a bummer for me because I was under the assumption that you could and should eat these things. I know. And folks, this is where we begin our quest to find a delicious home. And we are not alone in this quest. Nope. We've had visitors who have tried to climb over the fences to bite the gingerbread house. What? It, it, it's, it's interesting. People will do very interesting things. Oh, you're blowing my mind. Seriously? <laughs> As I mentioned, but we have the 10 and a half by 10 and a half foot gingerbread house out in our great hall. And I had a gentleman who I'm assuming, and this is totally an assumption, was in his mid 50s at three o'clock in the afternoon, bite that gingerbread house. And I said, excuse me, sir, please don't bite the gingerbread house. Now, if this was at 10 o'clock at night and he had had a few beverages, I mean, we live in Beer City, USA. We do craft beer like nobody does craft beer here in Asheville, North Carolina. So a couple of those and then you bite the gingerbread house. Sure. Okay. I've got a little more understanding for you. But at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to have to ask you to step away. (laughs) Well, obviously that guy is a nutter. But how can you resist taking a bite out of a 10 foot tall gingerbread house? The same way that I resist most terrible ideas, I shut my eyes and I imagine the effects of food poisoning usually works pretty well. Boring. (laughs) Man, Tracy has such amazing energy. Indeed. She is passionate about the event and she is equally passionate about the competitors. One of her favorites is Linda Carney. Let me tell you, Linda Carney is the one you want to talk to. She always places well. Uh, She tends to generally be in the top 10 every year and she is a consistent um, competitor. She is strong. She helps people. She's really, um, talk about me being passionate about it. She trumps me like heads and shoulders. If I could give her a sash, I would give her a Ms. Gingerbread sash. (laughs) I mean, she tailgates or gingergates. They sit out front. She and her friends sit out front and and gingergate before we open the doors at five o'clock for the award ceremony. My name is Linda Carney, and I'm from Asheville, North Carolina. I'm 56 years old. I have been competing with the National Gingerbread Competition at the Grove Park Inn since 2008. 
when I first started, nobody talked to one another. And it really was not overly a pleasant experience because I, as a beginner, didn't know anything or didn't know anybody. I didn't even know to bring a repair kit in case something broke. So 2009, when I saw some of the same people, I went up and I introduced myself and I started taking email addresses. And then I found Facebook and I created a Facebook group that I called Ginger Friends. (laughs) And we started with 12 members and we now have 360. Wow, that's significant. Yes, it is. And it really is a support group so that if someone you know, knows nothing about gingerbread. They join my Facebook group, group and we teach them. And we're all, we're all friends. So that, yes, there's a friendly rivalry. And yes, there's a couple of people who I would like to place higher than. But <laughs> when all is said and done, I'm still going to cheer for them, even if I don't win. And we are going to still be friends at the end of it. Because it's the friendship and the creation and the exploration of the art that is just as much fun as winning prizes at the actual competition. You know, we all look at it as we all have very similar recipes for our gingerbread. We all have very similar recipes for our Rice Krispie treats, but we don't all have the same skill level. Mm -hmm. So even though you're sharing tips and ideas with people, you're still going to get a variety of pieces and you're still going to get a variety of skill levels. And that's where the competition comes in. The competition doesn't come from being mean to one another. The competition comes from what you do with the materials and the knowledge that you have. Man, that first year sounds a bit rough. No doubt. Welcome to the cutthroat world of competitive gingerbread. Right. I mean, I know we joke about it, but there's a lot of skill involved in these creations. Absolutely. Just figuring out how to use things that are only 100% edible would be very difficult. Right. Incredibly difficult, especially from a beginner standpoint when I had no idea what I was doing. So Google became my best friend. (laughs) And I proceeded to read up on things like construction grade gingerbread, which is gingerbread that's stronger so it doesn't get soft and fall over, which is why a lot of people say they don't like making gingerbread houses because they don't use the right gingerbread. Ah. Um, Things like learning how to make royal icing, learning how to um, put gingerbread or other materials like Rice Krispie treats inside for support. You walk through the grocery store now thinking, oh, wow, that would be really good for, you know, whether it's a nut or a seed or a cinnamon stick or a spice or something. What would you say is one of the more creative things you've used to hold up a house before? Oh, I did a Christmas tree one year and I had to figure out a way to get the branches to interlock with one another so that essentially one tier, one level of branches would hold up all the other seven in the circle. So I actually had to use gingerbread and file it down into a point, stick it down into a hole with seven other branches and together the seven branches held one another up. Oh my gosh, that sounds so tedious. You know, it is to some people, it's very tedious, but I work in a group home serving teenagers and adults on the autism spectrum, um, most of whom have some pretty significant behavioral challenges. So for me to come home and be able to play with food and make gingerbread and mold gingerbread and make it into shapes, that to me is very therapeutic. I've scrapped projects before and I've, you know, 
taken entire pieces and thrown them in the trash because okay, they just let, didn't look or feel right. Let's talk about that because I, I know that yeah. these gingerbread houses stay up for, you know, months at a time and nobody's eating yeah. them because that would be toxic yeah. at that point. When you make yeah. a gingerbread house that you end up not being able to use, do you eat it? No, because no. it is, no, it has um, the things that make the gingerbread cookies that we like to eat good are molasses, butter, um, regular sugar, but it's also those are the things that make gingerbread soft. So when I make my construction grade gingerbread, I'll use corn syrup or honey. I'll use light brown sugar. I'll use um, shortening instead of butter because it makes it a little bit more resistant to humidity. And it literally comes out of the oven as hard as wood. Wow. It's hard enough that I can actually cut it on a saw. What? <laughs> That's amazing. Mm-hmm. I, use t- <laughs> I use power tools for gingerbread. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm embarrassed to say I don't even own power tools. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say that Linda probably uses hers more than I use mine. <laughs> All right. Up next in our Christmas in July spectacular. Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. Yeah, as in Mary. Our next competitor is Mary. Oh, Mary. Yeah. Well, she may or may not use power tools. Let's find out. My name is Mary Spafford, and I am a retired high school teacher for visual arts and family and consumer science. And I have been entering the Grove Park Inn National Gingerbread Competition. This will be my 14th year. In my uh, role as a teacher, one of my uh, curriculum areas was to help students build employment skills. And also, in another part of my curriculum was to teach them about kitchen safety and basic cooking skills and as an art teacher, all of that kind of fit together for a big fundraiser that we have in Knoxville, Tennessee called the the Fantasy of Trees. And they have a huge Christmas gala and part of that is a gingerbread village. And so I asked my principal if I could teach my curriculum and allow my students to make gingerbread houses. And all the money raised goes to the children's hospital here in Knoxville. So that's how I got started. And when we were there, one of our local chefs approached me and asked me if I had ever heard of the Grove Park in national competition, which I hadn't. And so the following year, we decided we were going to try it out. And we had one student who placed third in the very first year that we entered. And I was so proud of her. She did such a good job. That's awesome. Totally. Mary's been in the gingerbread house game for 14 years and remembers the time gingerbread houses had to be houses. But the rules have changed. Yep. And now there's a lot more freedom in what they can make. They have altered the rules throughout the years because it used to be just houses. Now you can do anything. There is no specific theme that you have to follow. So this year I am doing um, an antique globe in a stand and around the bottom of it I am doing ornaments from all over the world. And oh it's my called gosh. Joy to the World. That sounds amazing. How um, far out from the competition do you have to get started? Well, this this year, because I'm retired, so I have a lot of time, <laughs> and I don't have students going, Mrs. Spafford, Mrs. Spafford. Um, I actually started planning this in March. 
Good for you. And I needed to do some research because I needed to know about different traditions from other countries. And so I did a lot of research on ornaments and um, other Christmas traditions from countries all over the world. So that took a little bit of time. And then what I do is I build a foam board model of what I'm going to do to make sure that the engineering is going to work, that everything's going to fit together and the globe is going to be held up. And so uh, that's that's my next step in the process is to build a foam board model of what I'm going to do. And have you done that already? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I actually started baking in May. What's the most interesting? I know everything in it has to be edible. What's mm-hmm. the most interesting thing that you put into a gingerbread house to help with the structure? I'm using an ingredient this year that I have never used before because I, I want my little straw goat from Sweden to look like straw. <laughs> and it is called, it's a, like a shredded phyllo dough, which, you know, they make baklava, yep. out, but it's already shredded so that it will kind of look like straw. Neat. So I haven't made my straw goat yet, but we'll see if it turns out. Wow. She started baking in May? That's like nine freaking months. You can make a baby in that time. Or a straw goat. Or maybe a baby straw goat. Well, maybe. (laughs) We talked to Mary last October, and while her Joy to the World house was fabulous, and you can see a picture on our site, unfortunately, she did not win last year. That honor was taken by our next competitor, Ann Bailey. My name is Ann Bailey. I am the 2017 grand prize winner of the National Ginger Red House Competition. I've been entering since 2006. Um, I've actually, this is my third grand prize win. I was actually um, flipping through channels one night and saw the 2005 competition that was aired on the Food Network that year. And um, I didn't even know there was a competition. So the more I watched it, the more interested I got in it and decided I would enter. I, I was not a baker at all. So this was, I mean, the only cake I ever made came out of a box. So. <laughs> That's amazing. So what what gave you the courage to do it? Having, I can't believe you weren't even a baker. No, I've just always been artistic. I mean, I came from a very artistic family. Um, so I was a painter. I was an artist. I'd been a graphic designer for a lot of years. Um, and I thought, you know, I'd try my hand at that. I love trying new, you know, adventures. So, um, but, well, I'll try. I did terrible. <laughs> that first year, um, something of just a learning curve. And so I continued to enter. Fantastic. So with that learning curve, what's the hardest part to master? Or at least for you, what was the hardest part to master? I think all of it in the beginning, because I did not know what I was doing. I did not know the mediums. Uh, I didn't know what fun it was and gum paste, pastiage, modeling chocolate. I had no idea what any of it was. And so I think the, the the knowledge of using these materials along with gingerbread, which is a there again, just a kind of a ghost to me because I didn't really know what any of it was to start. So I think it was all a challenge in the beginning. Um, after you've done it for a couple of years, you um, start mastering it, or I did anyway. And um, it was a hobby. It was something to do after I retired. And um, so that's one of the reasons that uh, I wanted to get into something I didn't have the slightest idea I would be good at it. It turns out she is good at it. No doubt. Yeah, over the last couple of years, she's had numerous top 10 entries. And numerous ostentatious sashes to go with that. Ho, ho, ho. Santa loves an ostentatious sash. Ho, ho, ho. All right. With the 2017 winning entry, she scrooged the competition with an ode to Charles Dickens that has some absolutely amazing detail. 
It was based on a e-card that a friend of mine sent me. It was uh, Charles Dickens. It was very. It was a beautiful card, absolutely beautiful card, and that's where I got the inspiration for the piece. So I wanted to do something like a sculpture or art piece based on the Charles Dickens book, A Christmas Carol. So when I started, um, I knew that I wanted to do characters, which was the three ghosts, which is the name of the piece. And I knew that I wanted to do characters in it, but I didn't know how I was going to anchor them. And then when I thought about books, I thought, okay, well, we'll just anchor them on books. And so I just, I don't have a plan in mind. I just do it as I go along. And I thought, oh, this looks good. This doesn't look good. But I, I have a tendency to do prototypes before I start to see if this is going to work. And I wanted the piece to tell a story, uh, which is what judges love to hear. And... um so I wanted to hear telling a story with this piece was, was good, but I also wanted some whimsy in it, which judges also like. So I decided to do all the titles of the books with very whimsical titles based on Scrooge. Can you give some examples? I, I made all of them up. I, one of them was called um, the Humdrum Skin Flint Manual. <laughs> we're, we're speaking there again against, uh, about Scrooge. Um, a Tightwad's Guide to Investing. Oh my gosh, that's hysterical. 60 Years of Solitude. Uh, there was only, I only put titles on like about six of them, actually. Wow, she did a fantastic job. I've been looking at pictures of it online and it's really incredible. We have pictures of it on our site as well. We have other great pictures on the site too, including some shots of the previous year's winning piece, which was designed by Beatrice Mueller. She took third in the 2017 competition with the Blue House. Also fantastic. I really enjoyed talking to Beatrice, and I love that she takes a different approach to this. Uh-huh. Most importantly, are you ready? I'm ready. She makes her houses edible. Yes, finally. Incredible and edible. Everything I make, it's... Uh... You should be able to eat it without breaking your teeth, right? Uh, they keep telling me, why don't you just use, you know, the, the construction? So, well, it's, it, it's not edible anymore. <laughs> There's no difference of making it out of cardboard, if you ask me. You know what I mean? I'm Beatrice Mueller. I'm a cake designer by trade and uh, a gingerbread enthusiast. I have entered um, the National Gingerbread Competition. Uh, I have actually won the National Gingerbread Competition, and last year I came out third. Uh, this is uh, um, a passion of mine, uh, building houses because of the love of architecture I have. So I have transformed my love of sugar also into you know, a little, like a, a wonderful hobby, I would say. Aw, Beatrice is so sweet. I bet it takes a lot of work to make the house both edible and strong. And delicious. They take a lot of hours. Uh, the blue house took me 410, 120 hours, 400. Wow. wow. And yeah, it is. it takes a long time because uh, each piece has to be cut and baked and uh uh, and then each one has to be decorated. And then when you start putting it together, and because I use, I do a lot of piping, when it comes to railing and those uh, little pieces that are freestanding, it's not that you make one, you have to make so many in case they break, right? And they do break when you put them up. So 
It, it takes a long time. The planning takes the longest, actually, because you have to come up with something that, uh, you know, I can make that you can actually eat and um, that it will support its own ways. And I, and looking, you know, like, it's like building a house, right? You kind of have to follow, um, like, basic construction <laughs> techniques. Yeah, and, but because it's still this is cookie, right? It's not a two-by-four that you put in there. <laughs> it, it's, uh, it, it's, sometimes it is challenging, right? <laughs> you can't eat two-by-fours? <laughs> no. no. Now, for some reason, Kim and I are both uncharacteristically excited about these houses being edible. For me, I think part of the reason is that when I first started talking talking to Tracy about this and then I asked Linda they were both like of course you wouldn't eat it why would you why would you think to eat it and something inside me just felt like a scolded little fat girl reaching for a cookie (laughs) so when I finally talked to Beatrice and she offered me a cookie oh my gosh I'm in love Uh, yes much like him and I her whole family looks forward to snacking on her creations we actually have sat down when we brought the house. We sat down and looked at it. I took pictures and we all took a piece of meat. <laughs> it tastes a little bit, you know, like um, stale. But, <laughs> but anyway, it was still good. <laughs> you know, it tasted uh, beautifully. And... I'm looking at the blue house right now. And I had been looking at it thinking, oh, my gosh, it's gorgeous. And now I'm looking at it thinking, oh, my gosh, it's probably delicious. Uh, it's actually, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty good. I make it, I make it all like I would do any gingerbread. Sometimes I have to, you know, like I would not use butter, obviously, because the butter tends to spread them, the dough spreads, and it's very difficult. So I, I would use, you know, replace it with oils or with a little bit of shortening, you know, like I, I, it will still be edible. It's just not going to have that buttery taste, right? Right. So, but uh, yeah, like, I mean, uh, when, when it is, for instance, with the blue house, I couldn't do the, uh, it, it had to be a very light dough. So I resorted to uh, Eastern European that they use honey and, uh, white sugar mm. so you have a white dough and you can put color and uh, you you can eat it and it's uh, it's like any sugar cookie really it just has the ginger flavor right some sections of the building i had to i had to double the whole uh, the inside once you what you see from the outside the inside the walls have a double cookie inside oh. um so it is uh uh, it is very strong. I don't think it will break at all. That one, it will never come apart. <laughs> there is a lot of engineering and architecture that goes into these cakes. Am I right? Yeah. Beatrice is totally pulling on her architectural knowledge here. And for good reason. She needs a strong cake since she's driving from Ontario, Canada to Asheville over 800 miles for the competition. No, I think it's everybody's... Uh... Uh, impressed about the traveling time <laughs> when you have so many hours going there, right? You know, I'm a hundred percent sure it will withstand the, the trip because I, I know my construction techniques are good, but um, it has my pieces usually have so many 
uh, delicate sugar parts, you know, like uh, royal icing details that are so fragile. It, it is sort of nerve-wracking, the, the, the trip um, south. The first year we crossed the border, so we have a, a lot of um, uh, border agents actually, you know, they, they call each other, come and see this piece. <laughs> they were... We actually stopped the border because a lot of them wanted to see the piece that I have in the back of my van. So it was kind of funny. They just, that's that, amazing. That, I didn't even think about you having to cross a border. Yeah, like they ask you, so where are you going, right? And are you bringing anything? So you tell them and they want to see. So that, that was uh, kind of funny. Like the first, that's the first year uh, in 2016. They, they they call the other way. You know, I I I just don't want to. I would love to know what the other people at the back thought. They say, oh, they found something. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yes, lots of sugar in here. Oh, gingerbread. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's amazing they thought she was part of some sort of a sugar cartel right. <laughs> i ho ho hope she doesn't have any trouble this year for the competition rochambeau have you been a good podcast this year ho 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 santa knows Speaking of this year, the 2018 National Gingerbread Competition is on November 19th, and all the creations will be on display from November 25th to January 4th. You can learn more at the Omni Grove Park Inn website, which has a ridiculously long URL for their gingerbread competition page, right. so just link to it from RochambeauPodcast.com. And the Grove Park Inn is an amazing place. I've been there for brunch and just to visit. It's really cool. So You've go. been there for brunch? Oh, yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it's fantastic. That's awesome. What do you eat? Everything. They have everything. Like, it's you can't eat all of it. I love that. Is yeah. it like a literal, like, all-you-can-eat buffet-type brunch? Yeah, with like three or four rooms of food. Oh. And it's all really good. Do they have cookies? They have so many cookies. They'll let me have a cookie? <laughs> They'll let you eat. You can eat their cookies. Okay. Yeah. On my way. <laughs> we have to give a big thanks to everyone who so generously shared their time and stories with us. Thank you, Tracy, Linda, Mary, Anne, and of course, Beatrice. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. Now let's get interactive, listeners. I hope you were able to stomach all the puns in this very special Christmas in July spectacular. So what is your favorite Christmas-related joke? Let us know on our site or our Facebook page, and uh, we'll select our favorite. So let me kick it off. Here's one. What you got? What's the correct name for an old snowman? What? Puddle. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love that. Um, I have one that I keep in my pocket for holiday parties. Okay. Ready? So two snowmen are in a field and one turns to the other and says, I don't know about you, but I smell carrots. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't care at all for that joke. Oh, 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 yeah. Oh, that was my three phases of oh. <laughs> <laughs> People, the world is a big, beautiful, and sometimes strange place. We encourage all of you to get out there and try something new every chance you get. And if you find out about a unique competition that we need to know about, please reach out. And as always, all the music you hear on this podcast is courtesy of Atlanta jazz funk legends Cadillac Jones. Um, if you're not familiar with them, you should be. You can find them at CadillacJones.com and on Facebook and other social outlets. And go see them live if you get the chance. Indeed, they are wonderful live. They are. Thanks to you guys so much for listening. If you have a minute, please subscribe to the podcast. And if you have two minutes, please consider giving us a review. It's really the best way for us to get the word out about Rochambeau. Yes, please do. 
Till next time, people. Goodbye. I think my mouth started drooling <laughs> thinking about cookies. <laughs>